Hello and welcome to episode 118 of the Mark and Me podcast. As always, I'm your host Mark. Joining me on today's episode is the director, writer, producer Lara Jane Gallagher. She's recently released a film that blew me away, Clementine, and I urge you straight away, right at the start of this interview, to stop this interview and go and check this film out. It's brilliant. It's a really great story which I don't want to give too much details about because I don't like spoiling stuff and I like people going into films without knowing anything about it. But it's a really, really heartfelt film about breakup and how to overcome and how things can change in people's lives and it's a really beautiful film. And I think Lara has an absolutely amazing career ahead of her as a writer and a director. She's still so young and I really believe that we'll see the name all over Hollywood in the next few years. And I don't want to tease too much, but we'll see and hear today on today's podcast a glimpse to what she's wanting to do next and it'll just leave you wanting more. I can't wait. But in true typical Mark and Me fashion, let's touch base and talk about the last episode. It was another part of my Voice Behind the Art specials and I was joined by the amazing Matt Griffin. This episode's only been out a few days but already the numbers have been huge. So many people on Twitter jumping on board and saying how much they enjoyed the interview and then have gone on and invested in his artwork. Now that's the ultimate for me. People say what do you do the podcasting for and to see people that discover new bands or films or check out an album or then go and buy this artist's work, that is literally the best thing that can happen. So to see this happening from this interview with Matt has been an absolute delight. So thanks to everyone that listened and then went out and invested in his artwork. But let's get back into today's episode. This girl, this is her first major film and it will blow your mind that it's her debut film. She has a huge career ahead of her. And for me, she's like when I've done interviews in the past with people like Tom Payton. She's one of those directors to watch. So I think the best thing to do now is get straight to it. So here's me and Lara Jane Gallagher talking all things film. Thanks for joining me today on the Mark and Me podcast. Of course. Thanks for having me. Uh, what I wanted to do today is start by taking it back to the start of your career and when you were growing up and was it from a very young age that you knew you wanted to get involved in the film industry? Um, no, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't say so. I, I'm from a, a really small town in rural Pennsylvania and I, I think the idea of, you know, that you could have a career in film was, was very foreign to me. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, I was an avid TV watcher. I think I probably watched six hours of television a day. I was obsessed with TV. I was obsessed with books and stories. And so um, it wasn't until college that I kind of put that together and and sort of thought, um, you know, maybe I could do this. Like maybe there's um, a way that I could carve a, carve a space out for myself um, writing and and just creating stories um, that speak to my experience in some way. So, so yeah, I guess, it was not until college yeah and you said you're an avid tv fan and watching lots of films and stuff can you remember those ones that really stuck with you that actually gave you that creativity to think i want to get behind the camera i want to direct like this i want to make something like this show yeah i mean it's not necessarily um taste wise i feel like what my work speaks to now but I, i think from the tv watching it was really important for me to recognize that, you know, from this period where I was watching TV obsessively up until high school, you know, it was all these, there were these female characters that were, you know, these kind of tween, you know, just before high school age girls that were really precocious and active, you know, whether that's like, 
Harriet the Spy or, um, you know, um, Alex Mack or Clar Clarissa Explains It All. I don't know if these things mean anything to you in, in the UK. Oh, but yeah. um, Nickelodeon was huge over here and stuff like Clarissa Explains It All was the stuff I sort of grew up on. I used to love that show. Yeah, so it was, um, you know, just those characters and kind of, kind of, uh, I don't know, just really feeling like they were my friends. I mean, I was just obsessed with these shows and, and obsessed with books, you know, with female characters, and then kind of realizing that I, I stopped watching um, TV or just got into other stuff in high school. And so when I was getting getting into, you know, creating my own stuff or starting to think about what that would look like, I, I was really taken by the fact that there is this kind of lack of female stories, um, you know, from this period of you're allowed to be like an active, precocious girl, but then that kind of stops and you get to be like, you know, either the hot girl or the nerd in high school, or it's, it, it was less about um, those characters being kind of active in their own lives. And I, I really kind of wanted to see if I could just work in that space and take take those characters that I loved or just the, just the idea of them being leads or willful yeah. protagonists in their own life and and kind of go from there. I mean, it's over 15 years ago now since you released one of your first shorts, um, One Dead Duck. Now, with the early shorts that you did, is that kind of the way you got into the industry? Was it kind of doing a few shorts and seeing how you would take it on and if you'd manage that as a project instead of taking on something too big? Um, I think I've always, always wanted to make a feature. Um, and I think um, my shorts sort of speak to that, that they're, all my shorts are sort of stories that, that could go on, you yeah. know, we're kind of character based where it's like, you can imagine, um, you know, the next chapter of it or something, as opposed to a lot of shorts that are more of like a spectacle or, you know, um, kind of a tidy, like neatly wrapped story. So I feel like my work has always gravitated to wanting to tell those kinds of stories. I just, um, the hurdle to making uh, my first feature was just huge. And I think that was primarily, I feel like I've been ready. Uh, it's just yeah. a mutual consideration. Um, mostly I, Clementine, is definitely a reaction to that. Um, I was developing a couple other projects before Clementine that were just a lot bigger. Um, yeah. More one coming of age that actually was, you know, little girls or sisters um, that were younger, kind of more like the TV shows, I guess, that I loved when I was younger, but um, just kind of not not getting the traction that I needed for those and, and really just feeling like I had to get a first feature off the ground. I just had to. And so challenging myself to just write something that I could make myself, even if I didn't get any other support or any other, um, you know, people from the outside helping me, it was something that I could kind of do. And so that was where this story um, really was born, that kind of need to get to that next level. And taking that jump, obviously, from doing the shorts sort of five to six years ago to this big first release as your main feature, some people might say, oh, my God, you're writing it, you're producing it, you're directing it. It's a hell of a lot of responsibility and quite a lot of different duties. Did you think when you went into it, oh, my God, this is maybe too much? Or was it a kind of ambitious challenge where you're like, I'm going to do this all. I'm going to make sure this is my movie and my production and I want it to be how I want it. Hmm. Um, I would love not to produce. I think I, <laughs> probably every uh, director would say that, but I think it is really, really challenging, especially on a super small film to wear both of those hats. Um, I, I, it's just what I've always done. Yeah. Um, even 
for, you know, like day job stuff. Like I've, I've worked in the commercial space as a producer. So it's like, I, I understand what that realm is and what it takes to do it well. And I think it's really, really hard to try and allow yourself to stay open and flexible and nimble as a creator while you're also aware that, um, you know, you don't have places for these people to sleep tonight or just all the logistics that kind of um, can kind of take over. I think it's, it's, it was a really challenging toggle. And I think just because of the size of this film that, you know, our producers, we had a great producing team, you know, it wasn't just me, but we were all doing, you know, probably six jobs. Um, and I think that that's, you know, just a challenge, but it's also, you know, as you mentioned, you know, there wasn't anybody to tell us no. And so yeah. that's kind of the of that, that um, it kind of could be this, this summer camp feeling and, and just kind of this camaraderie that you get from, from really connecting with people that are helping you, you know, birth this thing um, is really a special thing that, that I want to take back. And going into this film, I speak to a lot of directors. I had recently Neil Marshall, had Neil Blomkamp and people like that. And I always find it really fascinating what they were kind of watching as they went into the making of the film. And obviously when you've written this film and directed it, was there certain directors that you were taking influence from or people that you were reading about or makings of online that kind of helped guide you and influence you? Yeah, I think the biggest influence um, was probably Lucretia Martel. Yeah. If you're familiar with her work, um, there was just something about um, her restrained camera that I found really inspiring. Um, I felt it, it spoke to what the story needed but also, um, you know, it was something like with all the decisions with this film, it was like conceptually it made sense, but also practically too, you know, that we're a really small crew, like we can't do a lot of camera moves, like we can't do a lot of that stuff. So trying to get inspiration from filmmakers who I feel like aren't drawing attention to themselves, aren't drawing yeah. attention to kind of the artifice of making something or like, hey, look at this cool camera move or look at this sweet lens or whatever. Like it's really about, um, just the camera being exactly where it needs to be to catch this interior moment. And I think um, one film, uh, The Headless Woman uh, of hers, that just, there's just her, um, she has these amazing profile shots that I was really inspired by. Because yeah. I was trying to think of, when you think of like a, you know, a single protagonist, like single point of view film, which I really wanted to make, it's like you think about like, handheld like close-ups like really just being up in someone's face yeah there's something about clementine that like i feel like our main character is so withdrawn and she's not herself and she's not in touch with things she's kind of like steeled herself off but there is something about wanting the camera to to reflect that and be removed at the same time you still want to have access to her so it was kind of this toggle that i feel like lucretia martell just she just nails and i think her her sound design is is so inspiring you know where it's uh the camera can be not doing a lot but like the world and the the audio of uh just the surroundings is so rich and just really um you know really goes hand in hand with the visuals which i think a lot of times you know people think of sound as like a secondary thing but i was trying to think about ways that um you know we could get in her head yeah audio as much as you know having a camera right in her face and now you've got this first full feature done, finished, wrapped. It's out there. People are seeing it and people are reviewing it. Are you taking on board any of the feedback or reading all the reviews? I mean, 
when I put podcasts out, I try not read too many people's comments because I just don't want to see that troll or that person that says something horrible. So I try and yeah. shut it out. But have you taken an, that time to kind of review and see what people are saying? Yeah, I think I, I'd be lying if I said I didn't. I think it's really, uh, you know, it's hard to know that something's out there and not take a peek. Um, yeah. But at the same time, you know, I, I think the main part of this job or just just trying to be in this industry or just being a, a creative person in general, like you just have to know what to take and what to leave. Um, I think I've been really, and it was, I guess, through the post process myself, I was really loving the thriller elements of Clementine and loving my experience with my composer that I worked with and really wanting to, you know, challenge myself to like fully go there um, and not dip my toe in next time, you know, just kind of um, put my personal feelings or personal experience to, to the back burner and, and try and live in more of a genre space. So that's what I've been working towards. Um, and it's definitely a reflection or like a reaction to Clementine, I think of kind of having this um, sort of in between genre film and wanting to just, just grab it and just fully go for it with the next one. And that's what I was going to mention next. So you just mentioned next one. What is it for you now that you want to do? Have you got a completely different story or are you kind of wanting to think where could this story go? Or are you going to try something different with a whole different genre? Where's your kind of way out for looking at what's going to come next? Yeah, I, I think it's, it's kind of the perfect marriage, I think, of uh it's so i've been working on this script that i i hope to to make as my second feature it's my first horror script um and but it's coming of age female coming of age a girl getting her period for the first time while she's in a remote um location on the oregon coast um so it's still kind of dealing with these these feelings of isolation you know emotionally and also physically um but adding in a fertility coven and kind of witch tropes Oh, nice. Um, to really take that interior girl coming of age thing, but really like using those things to just turn it all the way up and see how far I can push it um, and taking it fully, uh, you know, away from a reality, which all of my stuff up to this point has been really seeped in, I think, like naturalism and realism. And so this is a pretty big departure, but I hope that I'm able to kind of balance this um, kind of mundane horror, I'm calling it. You know, um, like a corporate environment, something that feels really boring, um, a really like path that you know what it is. And then, you know, when this coven comes in, you know, it's a whole, it's a whole other thing. So hopefully that'll, I guess that's still kind of in between genres. So we'll see how it goes. I'm picturing like um, Carrie meets the craft meets, I don't know, old classics, you know? Someone said it's eighth grade meets midsummer. So oh, I'm nice. I've still not seen Midsummer yet. Everyone keeps telling me to watch it and it's on my list, but I will get around to it. I'm like that and St. Maud. I'm like, I will do probably a, a weekend of horror. Yeah, I, I don't know if St. Saint, Maud out. I think it's I, out this week or next week to download, yeah. but everyone keeps going on and telling me to watch it. I'm like, right, okay, those two horrors, I'll get around to it. Yeah, I'm so excited for that one. It looks good. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people that listen to the podcast are up and coming filmmakers or people that are studying film. What advice do you give them for being ambitious like yourself and taking on that role of a director and trying to get into an industry that can be so difficult to make a name for or to even just get your work seen? Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, I think in terms of directing, I I feel like the best thing that you can do is is write, um, and that's kind of been my my way in from the beginning. Um, you know, knowing how to kind of create your own work or your own stories that you can then take take the, all the way. I think yeah. is really really important, and not kind of thinking that somebody is going to you know bring a script to you or um, that you'll meet these collaborators. I've I've just tried to you know kind of keep my head down and stay focused on what I want to do and that and that's really writing has really been an empowering part of that I think from the beginning and it it's helped me to you know really figure out like who I am like what kind of stories I want to tell um, where I fit into the industry and I think without writing I don't know how I would have how I would have done that without being kind of swayed and pushed and fit into other other boxes. So, and also it's free. You can uh, pen and pen and paper. That's really all it takes. So that's always really liberating too, regardless of you know what your circumstance is. That you can always um, you can always do that. Um, and then who knows what that could become? I think now it's important for people to think really um, widely about like what is the best medium for your stories you know maybe it is a podcast you yeah know, maybe it's you know a web series like there's just so many different things now and I think that if you um just have your focus on you know a trilogy that has to be in cinema or you know these kind of things I think that that's really um you're going to get stopped up and discouraged and so I think just figuring out ways to to keep working keep creating whether it's short films whether it's music videos you know all of these little things kind of um, just help build your confidence to keep going and trying to do the next one a little bit better and a little bit bigger and just keep pushing. And what do you think the biggest lesson was that you learned yourself personally after you've released this film? What's the thing that you kind of are now going to try and change for your next release or take on board or completely do differently? I guess I try not to think too hard about that stuff. I feel like yeah. that's also... Um, you know, trying not to think too far into the future or obsess about things that are beyond my control and just kind of um, keep small in terms of like what's exciting me and what's getting me up every day to keep working on, I think is, is really important. So yeah, I try not to try not to make too many plans, especially now. I mean, it's just the whole world is, um, things are going to be majorly different for filmmakers. And I think, um, yeah, it's important to just keep your eyes open and and stay loose, flexible. It's crazy, isn't it, at the moment, that even the big releases like the next Halloween film we probably won't get to see in the cinema, the latest Wonder Woman film was straight to video on demand, and it's just changed the whole thing where you think, God, those films, even the King Kong trailer the other day, it's like it's made for the big screen, but everyone's now got to kind of adjust and just sit at home and watch it on their TV. Oh, no. Yeah, it's crazy. As long as people aren't watching them on their phones, I think. Yeah. <laughs> at least that's um that's something but I don't know for me I I I always think of, about you know kind of being uh a young girl in rural Pennsylvania which is where I'm from and and cinema was not a big part of my life I mean we had one theater and it was like not nice you know so it was really for me falling in love with um you know tv and characters and then also the video store was huge and so um for me it's never about needing things to be seen in some sort of um way it's really about trying to just tell the kind of stories that are going to connect with people however they want to or however they have access to um be connected with i think is is still my you know my main goal 
We've got a couple of minutes left. My final question is that I ask everybody on the podcast, um, any actor, any director, any cinematographer, we try and make the outro music very unique to the guest that's been on the podcast. So I'm going to put you on the spot, but I've had people like Anthony Hopkins, Mads Mikkelsen, all these different people on the podcast, and they've all chose the outro music themselves. I mean, I, I think I have to say Antonia Jane by Lightning Dust, which is in Clementine, but yeah. it was something I, I wrote into the script. I didn't know this band um, personally, but I just, the music really impacted me and I'm so grateful that we get to have it in the film and I've been talking to them. I might make a music video, who knows? I just think um, they're amazing and everyone should know about them. That's the perfect song then. Most people are like, I need 10 minutes to think about this or they change their mind throughout, but uh, that's the perfect one. Um, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on the show today and I want to thank you for your time and I can't wait for people to see the film and then start getting this release over here and I just want to say it's been a pleasure and thank you very much for taking the time to talk to me. So there it is, there's my interview with me and Lara Jean Gallagher. What an amazing person, so lovely, so down to earth, so driven and I think like I said at the start of today's interview, she has a huge career ahead of her and I can't wait to see where the industry and her go. I think she's got some amazing ideas. And then to talk about this horror idea, it sold it to me there and then. So let's see, hopefully, if we can get her back on the podcast in the near future to talk all about this new project. So right now, if you want to support Mark and me, I said it's on every episode and the response gets more and more, but it costs nothing to share an episode on Instagram, Facebook or Twitter. It's literally the click of a button and can make a huge difference. So if you're listening today and want to support the podcast, all you need to do is go on markandme.com and on there there's links to all those social media channels. You can see my links to all my episodes and just hit retweet or share and it costs nothing. It'll introduce this to a new audience and hopefully get some new listeners on board and costs nothing to do and really makes a difference. So please, if you can do that, I'd be absolutely made up. But also, if you want to take it one step further, I do have a Patreon page. And this month, if you've seen on my social media channels, I've been giving away some of the most ridiculous artwork. It's been insane from some of the guests that have been on, from the amazing Vice Press Gallery and more and more. These prizes, some of them you can't even buy anymore. They're artist proofs. I've got vinyls. I've got Funkos. Loads and loads of rewards to say thank you for supporting the podcast. You can find the link on markandme.com and sign up there monthly for as little as a pound a month. And at the moment, I've said it and I'll say it again, you're getting four episodes minimum a month. This month, I think you've got about six. That's all for one pound. And like I said, anyone that goes in and supports me on Patreon gets entered to these prize draws to win some amazing prizes. I'll be back in a few days time with a brand new episode. So until then, take care, look after yourself and I'll speak to you all soon. Did you ever come close to home? Riding the tide of a silver line Did you dress them up in ribbon and bows? Never fall back into the one you loved Pick a pocket lady with her mind on you She'll break a million hearts until she makes it Oh